Okay, well, thank you very much, Dilla, for wading through that uh, list of names. And as I said earlier, it feels a little bit like preaching through a telephone directory. And, uh, you know, you look through the directory and you see all sorts of names of people that you've no idea anything about. And it all seems rather dull, except they, people do have some rather strange names, don't they? And uh, I remember um, Glenn Marshall, who's a, a Yorkshireman and uh, teaches at the Northern Baptist College, when he was speaking once, and he said, why don't they have proper, easy-to-pronounce names, like Postlethwaite? <laughs> so, you know, what was easy to them is probably not so easy to us. Um, the other thing it sounds a bit like is, um, is about like walking through a graveyard, because all of those people are dead. So we've got a list of names, some of which maybe you've never heard of, all of which are dead, and you wonder what the significance of them is. Here we are, 2,000 years after this letter was written. Well, yesterday, Karen and I were on a, a quiet day at Ash Hill uh, Baptist Church, which is very good. And as part of the afternoon, we had a kind of a little guided prayer walk, and we were walking up the lane and stopping at various points. And one of them was actually in the churchyard at the parish church. And as I sat on this bench um, there, looking in front of me, there were quite a few graves... One of them was a Commonwealth war grave. And as I looked at this, uh, I went and looked at it, it was somebody called Ottery. And next to it was another grave of a Mr. and Mrs. Ottery uh, who died in the 1990s. And I was trying to work out what relation they might have been. I think, looking at the ages, this gentleman, Ottery, died in 1941. He was a driver in the Army Service Corps and uh, he died at age 25 in 1941. So that would make him sort of born about 1916. And I think he probably was a brother of the other Ottery. But anyway, I don't know anything about him, except that when we got back to the quiet day, Karen said, did you notice that there was a plaque on the wall at at, uh, at Ash Hill Baptist Church to Mr Ottery, who died in 1941? So, you know, he was was probably connected with the Baptist Church. I'd never, never heard of this chap. Uh, and there was a history there. So I don't know if anyone who was, had connections with um, Ashfield Baptist Church knows uh, of Otteries. Was it a name that anyone knows? But you, you know, Pete? Well, it used to be Otteries, so it um, ran up in um, Charlotte. Oh, right, okay. Publicans as well. Right, fair enough. Okay, well, at any rate, so we don't, isn't it interesting? So here we have, in the, in, in the, the book of Colossians, as Paul often does, he concludes his letter with a list of greetings and names of people that mean not much to us, but meant a great deal to Paul. Um, now, um, if we think how this, uh, this letter has unfolded, first of all, it started out, the first couple of chapters are all about Christ, about who he is, what he's done, and how we should be rooted in him. And uh, as we move on in the letter, we get to chapter 3, we then just start to say, how should we live? How can we live, knowing who Christ is and what he's done for us? How should we live? And in rather rather abstract terms, uh, John was talking about taking off the clothes, and the old clothes, and putting on the new clothes. Um, And Paul is describing in general terms how to live. And then... Um, a couple of weeks ago in the all-age service, we looked at more concrete examples. How should, for example, husbands and wives live, and children and parents, and masters and slaves? He, he goes into more uh, definite 
um, examples. And now, in this last section, he goes on to real names. We've now got named people. People who would have had a face uh, and, and would have had an occupation. And uh, So let's, um, let's have a look then. Steve, if you could kindly put up... Oh, you've got... He's one step ahead of me, this man. Okay, I, I, I'm in control now, hopefully, with this. There we go. So if you've got your Bibles open, perhaps you'd like to have a look through these names. Okay, uh, the first one that's mentioned is Tychicus. I'm not going to pretend I know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to call him Tychicus. And then, um, Enesimus. Now, some of these people, you might think, I don't know anything about that person, but you might think, oh, I know that one. Um, a bit about him. Um, Aristarchus. Epaphras. Now, oh, oh. Oh, I see. No, okay, there's the order they come in the scripture. I changed it, didn't I, Steve? That's right, Mark. Mark. Okay. Uh, I changed this this morning, the order. Uh, Jesus, otherwise known as Justice. Epaphras. Luke, ah, now we know about Luke. Yeah, he wrote the gospel, didn't he? Uh, Demas. Nympha. And Archippus. Now, I would guess that probably most of you don't know too much about those other names, but there were a few that you could tell me a little bit about, but most of us probably haven't sat down and, and, and studied it. So let's have a look at these people, um, who they were. Now, the first two are, um, are, have got something in common at the top. The first two, um, Tychicus and Onesimus, are messengers. These are people who have brought the message from Paul to the church at Colossae and, and vice versa. Really important people, people who spread the message. What do we know about Tychicus? Well, Tychicus is described by Paul as a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. And I'm sure, uh, you know, I could use similar language about, about you, because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we're all, hopefully, faithful ministers of the Lord, whatever your ministry happens to be, and, uh, and fellow servants. That's what we're here for today. And Paul warmly talks about Tychicus. Now, you can read about Tychicus uh, if you read in Acts chapter 20. Now, when I send around the, the, the house group notes for this week, I will send all these references down. So you, don't have, you, you can study them in your house groups and see if this is right. Okay. So you don't have to write all this down. But in Acts chapter 20, we find out that Tychicus is from Asia. That's where he comes from. Um, and uh, he's a messenger, and he brings this message... Uh, so that, Paul says, so that you may know our circumstances and he may encourage your hearts. What a great, what a great ministry to take a message that encourages our hearts. Don't forget, Paul is in prison all this time. Uh, so from someone in prison to take an encouraging message to those outside is, is a great, a great thing to do. Now, what do we know about Tychicus? We know that Paul sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, you can read this in about Acts uh, 20, uh, there were riots. Paul, uh, a bishop once said, um, he said, I don't know why it is, he said, um, wherever Paul went, 
there were riots. Wherever I go, they offer me a cup of tea. Hey. Um, but Paul uh, sent Tychicus to Ephesus, and there were riots. And, uh, and, and after those riots, Paul escaped with his life, uh, but he left Ephesus and moved on to Macedonia and then to Greece. And it tells us he was accompanied by Tychicus. So this is someone who has been with Paul through really rough times, just about to be lynched in the marketplace in Ephesus. Uh, and Tychicus has been one of those people who's been with him and uh, has travelled this journey through thick and through thin. What about Onesimus? Can anyone tell me anything about Onesimus? He was a slave. Yeah, he was a slave who has become uh, a, a Christian, uh, a brother with Paul and a fellow worker, and his owner was a man called Philemon. And so if you read in your Bibles, you will find just a very, very short letter uh, that Paul writes to Philemon, the slave owner, pleading with him for his slave Onesimus. And he says, look, he may have been your slave, but actually now we're all brothers in Christ. And he pleads with him to, be, uh, to, be, to welcome him as, as a brother. And so um, we are told uh, in Philemon that Onesimus became Paul's son while he was in chains. So this man means a lot to Paul. Uh, in those days when a slave had no rights at all, to come in to become a son of God is a wonderful, a wonderful thing. So the first two people then are messengers who bring the message to Paul. Now, the second group... Did that work? Oh, yeah, a slave. There we go. The word slave. Did you see that? Slave came up there. Okay, the second group begin with uh, Aristarchus and Epaphras. Now, these two are fellow prisoners. These are people who are locked up in the prison with Paul, and so he knows them very well, and they are going through everything that Paul is going through. You can read about Epaphras also in, at the end of Philemon. You can find that Paul talks about him as a fellow prisoner there. He also describes him as one of you. What does he mean by that? He means that he's a Greek. He is one of you, because Paul is a Jew. And he's writing to the people in Colossae, and he says, actually, he's one of you. He's your nationality. Um, but he's also a servant of Christ Jesus. And, and um, oh, I beg your pardon, I, I've gone on to um, Epaphras, haven't I? Sorry. Um, Epaphras is a fellow prisoner and one of you. I missed out Aristarchus. Aristarchus was attacked with Gaius in the theatre in Ephesus and seized. So he also was um, really with Paul in the thick of all that was going on. And now he's in prison with him. Now Epaphras is really important because Epaphras is the person who started the church at Colossae. Paul has never met these people. And yet Epaphras was the one who founded the church. So Paul's writing to people he doesn't know, but he knows about them through these messengers. He is a faithful minister and he says, uh, he is always wrestling in prayer for you. That's a great thing, isn't it? When someone says to you, um, I've been praying for you, isn't that a great thing to hear? And I know that people pray for one another, we don't always know about it. Um, yesterday, at, the, at this quiet day, at the end, uh, Norman, who was running the quiet day, said, actually, 
We gave all of the names of the people on this quiet day to people in our church, and they've been praying for you today and this last week. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, so he says, Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer with you. And what is his prayer? That you may stand firm, mature, and be fully assured. That's a great prayer, isn't it? Instead of just, God bless Laurie, how about, Laurie, I want you to stand firm, mature, and fully assured. That's a wonderful prayer, and it kind of links in with the prayer that Paul prays for the Colossians in chapter 1. So that's fellow prisoners. Now, you'll be pleased to know there are failures that Paul is writing about and sending greetings from. The first is Mark. Now this is John Mark. John Mark, who was a young man, a cousin of Barnabas. And Paul says, you have received instructions about him to welcome him when he comes. I don't know how you respond to failures. If you know somebody that's really messed up, and they're trying to put their life back together, and then they come back into your group, how do you welcome them? Do you always kind of stand like this? So, well, I'm just going to be a bit cautious about that person. Paul says, welcome him. Now, Mark, if you read in Acts chapter 13, uh, deserted Paul. When Paul was on one of his missions, John Mark decided he wasn't going to go anymore, and he turned back. Now, okay, we've all failed. How do you treat people who fail. Well, later on in Acts chapter 15, there was a big meeting in Jerusalem. And after that meeting, Paul um, Paul is going to go off on another missionary journey, and there's a big disagreement. He has a big disagreement with Barnabas, because Barnabas wants to take Mark with him. And Paul says, I'm not taking that man, because last time, he failed me. And would you trust someone a second time? Don't answer it. Uh, if someone's let you down, would you take them on the next crucial mission? Mm. You might decide to, or you might not. Well, Barnabas says, yes, I want to take him. Paul says, I'm not prepared to. So Paul and Barnabas have such a sharp disagreement that they go two different ways. That's encouraging to know that Christians fall out, isn't it? But they've got back together again. We do have disagreements, and sometimes uh, the disagreement is such that we have to maybe go different ways for a while. And Paul is recognising that, and here in his list of greetings, he's sending uh, a a greeting coming from Mark. And uh, he's already sent instructions to the church, say, if Mark comes, you welcome him. Don't you worry about what you may have heard about him. He's a fellow worker with me. You welcome him in the gospel. Um, And uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, Get Mark and bring him. He is useful to my ministry. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, there's reconciliation going on here. Now, if I'm to ask, if I were asked to give a definition of a church, in a few words, it would be simply this. A community of reconciliation. Church is a community of reconciliation. That is to be a people who have fallen out with God, who have been reconciled to God, and are now reconciled to God and to to one another. That's what we are. 
You know, none of us has a right to be here. None of us has earned a place in the kingdom. We've all come because we've admitted we're failures and that God has restored us. And therefore we're reconciled to one another. Demas. What about Demas? He also deserted Paul. You can read about that in 2 Timothy. Um, and Paul, um, he went to Thessalonica and Demas deserted because he loved this world, we're told. So there's someone else who, who, who went another way from Paul for personal, personal reasons. But he's also listed in Philemon as well. And he's listed here as somebody who sends greetings. There's two people who've failed Paul, who actually Paul has re-embraced into his community and sends greetings from. Now the next one. Nympha is a woman. That sounds surprising, because some people think that Paul was very much against women. Uh, Actually, um, you might be interested to know, this is the only greeting in this list that Paul sends to a named person, and it's to a woman. There were some very, very significant people in ministry, in Paul's ministry, as co-ministers, co-workers with Paul. And here is one, her name is Nympha. And... uh, We don't know very much about her, except that a a church beats in her house. And these people were really important to Paul. Um, uh, And hence, the greeting, the only greeting he sends to a named person goes to this woman, Nympha. And that's about all we know about her. He also sends greeting to the brothers uh, at uh, Laodicea. And you'll know that there are two letters here. There's one coming to Colossians, and there's one that went to the church at Laodicea. And they were meant to share them. When you finish reading that newspaper, pass it over. But we don't know what happened to the letter from Laodicea. Wouldn't it be interesting to know what he'd written to them? Sadly, that document didn't survive into our Bible, so we don't know. Next person, Jesus. Oh, good that he sends greetings to Jesus, but it's not the Jesus, the Messiah. It's, uh, Jesus was quite a common name in, in Hebrew, Yeshua, Joshua, in Greek, Jesus. Uh, people are quite surprised sometimes when uh, South American footballers are called Jesus and they've got Jesus written on their shirt. Um, that's their name and it's a, a common name. It means God saves. God saves. There's another man called Jesus or Justice. Um, we don't know anything about him at all apart from one thing. He was a Jew. So although he says to um, Epaphras, uh, who is it? Um, Excuse me, I need my notes a bit more today. Um, Although he says um, uh, to Epaphras, he is one of you, he's a Greek, to this gentleman, to Jesus, he says he is a Jew. So he's got people of different religions and different nationalities in in his list. And then, Luke. What do we know about Luke? He's a doctor. Yeah. And, and he's, he, wrote, he wrote the book of the Gospel of Luke, and then he, he wrote Luke version 2 uh, in the Acts of the Apostles. So we owe an enormous amount to Luke. And if you read the stories and Paul's letters, you'll know that Luke was a constant travelling companion with Paul. He saw things firsthand. So when he writes his gospel, he says, I have carefully investigated all of this from first-hand knowledge, and I write it down for you. That's wonderful. We've got first-hand accounts. 
He was also a doctor. So when he writes his gospel, you notice um, the woman that no one could heal. Um, when, when Mark writes about him, about her, she says, she suffered under the care of many doctors. Uh, Luke says, um, um, doctors, uh, what, what is it? But he, Luke is much more positive to doctors in his remark. He says, you know, she, 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 um, they were unable to, to cure her. But, um, so Luke writes from a doctor's point of view. Uh, he's a learned man and um, he's a doctor and a dear friend. A dear friend, Paul calls him. Dear friends are good. Now, um, there's one more then thing. You may wonder why I arranged them in this way. And, and that is because half of them are Jews and half of them are Greeks. And that is what the church is about. The church is not about just Jews come into faith. It's about Jews and Gentiles. It started with the Jewish people. Uh, but, uh, and Jesus was a Jew. But his whole aim was to take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, through Samaria, and then to the ends of the world. And here in Colossae, which is in modern Turkey, uh, we have people from, who are Greek background, we have people of Jewish background, we have men and women, we have fellow prisoners, messengers, we have failures, and, uh, and all of these people make up the church. It is truly a community of reconciliation. There are Jews and Greeks, there are male and female, there are slave and there are free, there are faithful people and there are failures. Now, I guess we all fall into one of those categories. And yet we're all one in Christ. Now, there's one other person that I haven't mentioned. Archippus. Can anyone tell me anything about Archippus? Somebody who's been studying the scriptures? Oh, go on, no. I don't know. We don't know anything about Archippus whatsoever. He's the anonymous, he's the unnamed soldier, if you like, in, in, the, in the grave, there are so many, to the unnamed hero, the unnamed soldier. But we do know one thing about him. We do know what Paul says to him. The message that Paul sends to Archippus is this. See to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. See to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. And don't you think that will be a good message that Paul would send to each of us? What work have you received in the Lord? What is your calling for him? Whatever it is, Paul says, complete it. And when uh, we have completed our ministry, then it is time for us to hand it over or when, when it's time to be promoted to glory or whatever you, we are called to complete the work that we're called to. Now, you may have a, a deadline. Uh, Paul, our, our, our faithful secretary, has been serving for eight years and, um, uh, and in June, you know, Paul will have completed that particular aspect of the work that God has called him to. Um, that's not to say you won't have any more work to do, Paul. I'm sure we'd better find you some. But but I think we can, we can actually, with all clear conscience, finish a job that called, God has called us to do, and then hand it over. So what is the job that, what would Jesus say to you? Complete what work? What work do you have to complete? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, it's been um, it's been our pleasure to get to know you over the last year, and uh, we have some more years to go. Uh, uh, and God has got more work that He wants us to do. Um, one thing I've always been grateful for in every church I've been in is be, to be partners in the gospel. We need one another. We need those people who can look after the money. Father Paul, I mean, don't, don't put me in charge of the church's finances. I need people who can do that kind of work. And we need people who are good at teaching children. We need people who, who are good at doing practical jobs around the church. So whatever our calling is, we actually do that, or, or leading small groups, whatever it might be. Um, we need each other. There is diversity within the church. Hence, from time to time, there will be disagreements. But if we focus upon what all of these people are actually doing, these are all people who are co-workers with Paul in the Gospel. If we keep our eyes on what the Gospel is, actually, we can move forward. And even if we have to agree to disagree on some things, uh, we can move forward with him uh, to what he wants us to do. The most important thing is that we love one another. When Jesus was asked to sum up the, gospel, the, the, the commandments, it was love God and love your neighbour. That is, that is a summary of everything that we're meant to do. So Paul has personal conclusions to this letter. It's a short letter, but it's taken quite a long time to get through it. First of all, he says, I write this greeting in my own hand. And that's because someone else has written this letter for him. He has dictated it. But when it comes to the end... He's writing it with his own hand. Now, we've got various thoughts on that. My, my personal take on it is that I think Paul's eyes were, were bad. Uh, there's a number of references in Scripture that refer to Paul's eyesight. And, and so he probably didn't write because he couldn't see clear enough. So he dictated it to somebody. But here at the end, he writes in, in one of his letters, he says, see what big letters I make. I don't know. That doesn't really matter. But here he puts his own personal stamp on this letter, which has been preserved for us for 2,000 years. It's a wonderful letter. I've really loved the letter of Colossians. So I hope that you will go back to it and read it through and maybe reflect on some of the the messages that we've heard um, from different people. And then finally, um, there's one thing that the, the, um, the, the contemporary English version translation of the last line uh, misses one important word that maybe is not understood in, if you like, ordinary parlance. He lends it with this word, grace be with you. Grace, I think it was be kind, wasn't it, or something like that. Which is not quite the same thing. Being kind is one thing, but but grace is an incredible word, isn't it? It means... uh, It means... Accepting something which you've, 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 not, be, you've not earned. It, it's a free gift. And it means treating other people with that kind of respect. So that we need to be gracious to one another. If there are people that we disagree with, uh, we need to use grace in order to bond the church together. There are, there are grace and peace and love, a, a, a number of things which Paul often writes at the end of his letters. That's what we need. We need grace to accept one another. Having received grace from Christ, we must offer grace to one another. Well, I'll probably waffle on if I don't stop. So I'm going to be quiet now. Maybe you can think, you could write your own greetings. Maybe you'd like to think of, not out loud, 
but people in this church, that if you were stuck in prison, who would you send greetings to? And what kind of things would you say to them? Let's just do that. And then um, who are the people who have really blessed you and have worked with you in ministry uh, and vice versa? Let's just ponder that. Although we didn't meet these people, there are real people in our lives for whom we want to give thanks. As a, as a kind of a concluding reflection and prayer, I'm going to read the opening part of, this, of, of Colossians. If you've got your Bibles, you might like to open them at Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What a wonderful prayer. Paul prays for the people of Colossae. And that's my prayer for you too.